All right, the Super Tailgate Tour continues here at Ballyhoo's. Big game's going to be a big bash here at Ballyhoo's. Do not miss their sixth annual Super Sunday big game party. Ballyhoo's has all your football favorites on the tailgate menu, plus $12 buckets of your favorite beers and $5 crushes to celebrate the big game. Uh, get here early and pick a square off the big board to win great prizes, and do not miss the halftime wingy competition for cash and prizes. Always a fan favorite. Festivities uh, start at 4 o'clock Super Sunday. See you here at Ballyhoo's. All right, uh, final hour. It was this is weird. So the NBA, this is what at least the second or third year in a row they've done this with the trade deadline during Super Bowl week, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe in a weird sort of way, it's good because <laughs> it gives us something to like get off the the NFL, like some of the fake topics <laughs> that are out there right now. That is very true. You know, with with the game. But it, it also just seems to be a disservice to them because I mean, it, it would clearly next week, right? prior to the All-Star break, you know, would really seem to make more sense. But I don't know. I'm sure they have a reason for it. They have a collective bargaining group and all this good stuff. So I, I don't know. But nonetheless, it, it seems like they're kind of taking away their own shine, uh, if you will, uh, from, from what's going on. But the moves today, that many of which James have been sharing uh, throughout the updates today, uh, I mean, my first blush thought on what I heard today was the Knicks did very well for themselves. And yes. I, I'm a big boy on Bogdanovich fan. If anybody um, – followed my uh, previous life and uh, career. Uh, used to do a lot of Wizards. Yeah, I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, and um, I had to um, – We back when the Wizards had the offseason where they had the decision to make – well, I thought it was a decision. They didn't think so. They kept Otto Porter for too much money. I kind of thought they should have kept Bogdanovich and let Porter go and would have been better off doing that. But they didn't, and the rest is history. But anyway, uh, the guy um, – I like to call Bo Buckets, um, can really stroke it. Alec Burks is a nice pickup as well. But uh, Bogdanovich is a professional shooter, a professional shooter. So that, um, that seems to be a nice pickup here. Now, is he going to be a great defensive player for you? No, he's not. That's not his thing. But in terms of just getting buckets, hence I made the nickname for him Bo Buckets, uh, Bogdanovich is your guy. So – Kind of like that from the Knicks standpoint. I hate to talk about the Knicks because then Paulie's probably going to want to talk about the Knicks at some point. We're going to have to put up with that. But Dialing as we speak. Yeah. I'm sure. So anyway, thought that was that was a, a good move by them today. It was interesting too that um, the Wizards pulled off Kyle Kuzma before. Now, and I don't believe they pulled him off the market, right? Like they said, no, 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 they're they're going to keep him. So in other words, we've had all this time and nobody's made a good offer. So we're we're not going to take a bad offer. So then we're going to tell everybody we're taking him off the. Off right. the market, like right, we're of like we're deciding, but you're really not, right? You really didn't decide that at all. Um, so that that was kind of goofy too. The other uh, interesting thing was this this Mavericks trade today. So they get add Daniel Gafford and PJ Washington in their front court. Um, yeah, doesn't feel like that was that impactful. No, Daniel Gafford is an undersized, you know, like offensive rebounder is what he is. I mean, he, he bounce, he's got great hops. He works hard. Um, but, you know, he, he'll block shots. But, you know, in terms of, like, a guy that is a, a true, true blue, like, badass rim protector at all times, no. No, he's not. I mean, he's – they're not going to get uh, a whole lot of return there. Um, you know, and, I mean, in Dallas, he's probably playing 20 minutes a night maybe. I don't know if that – I mean, with the Wizards, he was probably playing more than he should have been playing just because they didn't really have anybody ah, it's there. the Wizards. It's the Wizards. So, I don't know. But a guy who's always outplayed, like, where he came in the league, though. I mean, I give him credit. He's been a hard worker. 
But I just don't feel like that's a huge, like, hey, that's changing the game kind of stuff, right? Right. Uh, for them. Trying to go through some of these other, other things today. Um, what happened today? Again, it's Celtics. Delano Banton. Uh, yeah. I mean, what does that mean? I have no idea. What's happening there? I mean, that, that's not a huge deal. That The Hawks getting uh, Deontay Murray. I didn't think, you know, Doug McDermott. You know, the Spurs trading Doug McDermott to the Pacers for second-round picks. By the way, I understand now why we have to have that separate day for second-round picks because, like, that's what everybody's trading, right? Like, yeah. Like, everybody's got these stupid second-round picks now. Nobody wants them, man. I know, in the NBA. And when we end up getting to that night, it's going to be – what did you call it earlier? You said it's going to be the Thunder – It's going to be the Thunder Media Day. Because <laughs> the Thunder have, like, 45 second-round picks. This is bizarre. But nothing exciting, um, you know, like – you know, huge, huge happened. I mean, the Sixers getting Buddy healed, I think, is helpful. Only if, of course, <laughs> you know, the MVP comes back. If Embiid has any type of the season left, right? Because if Embiid is not playing this year, the rest of the season, and you're, you're talking at least four to six weeks for Embiid, right? At, at least. Like, at least, at that, least. you know, I, I don't think. Um, the Raptors getting Kelly Olenek and um, – like Baji uh, from the pace or from the Jazz rather for and again here's Otto Porter Jr. Who knew he was still in the league uh, for Otto Porter Jr. Kira Lewis and a first rounder. So there's a first rounder involved in that. You know there was just nothing. Urshadar Gordon Hayward gets traded every year now, doesn't he? Well, Patrick Beverly getting traded to the Bucks was interesting because that's well actually that's not a yeah that's a that, under, that's, underscored that's de- that's defensive Underrated. help that you thought that the Sixers might need. Right now it almost seems like the Sixers are going to shift to well we're just going to outscore you. Because yeah. without Embiid, we're just going to try and outscore sure. you with, with guys like Buddy Heald and, and Maxi and those guys. That, that's, the, that's the strategy that they seem to have shifted to here, and I'm not sure that that's really going to be the way to go. No, I kind of like the um, – I kind of like the – I like the Beverly because, again, he can, he can be good for you. You like him on your team. You hate his guts if he's not on your team, right? Or if he's on um, first take. But that's not oh. a awful um, – that's not an awful – it's kind of an underrated move. Like you said, I don't think the Sixers appear to be serious about, about their defense at this point. And you wouldn't ex- – you know, with Nick Nurse, it's not really in his nature not to try to at least coach defense. But you also have to know, like, what your personnel is. Well, and t- putting Pat Bev on the box, you understand yeah. why they do it because yeah. they haven't played defense right. all year. No, well, they've been terrible at it. And, the, and another problem is, as great as Dame Lillard is – is that's not his thing. No. Like that's at not all. that's not at his never has all. been. So when you get when you gave up holiday for him, I mean you made that trade and then then again they get and then you know Portland did them dirty. <laughs> oh yes they did. <laughs> By yes, sending them the Celtics. Did. By sending them the Celtics. But I, I still kind of feel like the um I still kind of feel like, you know, a lot of this right now is gonna depend on who you know, like which side of the bracket are you on, right? Like the Sixers have to avoid the Boston side of the bracket at all costs. They also have if, to avoid the plane at this point. I mean, yeah. they, they've been well, yeah. leaking oil, as you yeah. say, and, and yeah. that they could end up all the way down there if they're not careful. And, and again, if it really doesn't matter if they don't get Embiid back. I mean, it, none right. of it matters. Right. I mean, it's, it's not going to be a season. But So I think original, originally they were saying, what, a four-week to six-week That's week the re-evaluation window. That's the reevaluation period. Which is scary. Yeah, so if it does, if it didn't go well, you know, if it wasn't "quote unquote" successful surgery, as all these great team doctors like to tell you, it always is. <laughs> then that really sucks, and then all of a sudden the season's like, well, who cares, you know? Uh-huh. And then you're back to the old Josh Harris ways, where you're, uh, you know, you're, you're going ahead and trusting the process and trying to uh, trying to accumulate as many picks as possible at that point. So, 
Yeah, that was that was an interesting uh, little twist today. But I don't know. They might, you know, you know how the regular season is. Oh, of course. I mean, it, you can get by, but if they're not whole by the time the postseason comes around, it's not going to matter. It'll feel like another year where, and frankly, this year they might be lucky to get to the semifinals. Yeah. You know, if they don't yeah. get whole with uh, with Embiid coming back, so. Anyway, kind of an interesting day, but yeah, you're right. The Pat Bev thing, probably of all, like the least headlineish kind of move, could be the most important one if um, Doc Rivers can figure out a way to have him out there in important moments to, to kind of disguise the other defensive issues that they have as the season moves on. And when we get in the playoffs, more importantly, I mean, it's really just about the postseason for them and for everybody else for that matter. So, yeah, not a not an earth-shattering headlineish kind of day. Not any last-minute stuff. You know, no Laker deals, right? Nope, no Laker not deals. Not a shock because it really. What do you have to give? The, ha- the Hawks didn't deal anybody either, which right. was interesting because it seemed like they were going to be sellers. So there was no Laker deal. There was the the Pacers. You know, the Pacers d- did a lot of little things. Uh, the, the Warriors, you know, traded. Uh, was it Corey Joseph to them? Uh, they didn't really do much of anything. Lakers. Now they think could get Spencer Dinwiddie on the buyout market once he clears waivers. But again, is that like a earth shattering? Not really. You know? No, he's all right. I mean, it gives him some. But I mean, the Lakers again—they're not realistic ever about who they are or where they are. So that that doesn't—they're not. You know, they're not going to be in the mix. We were talking last week about the two LA teams, and clearly, it's weird to say, right? The Clippers, right? Yeah, <laughs> are the ones that you believe in. Oh, boy. All right, 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494, the text line or the uh, Ballyhoo's uh, phone line as well. Uh, our guy Pittsburgh Ross through the um, text machine says, I wonder if Kansas City found a hotel with a 13th floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the 13s, right? Good call. Yeah. That wouldn't be on the elevator, though. Yeah. They won't put the button up there. No doubt. Um, somebody uh, sends us a uh, very, uh, very pointed and well thought out uh, text here about, hey, next time you check into a hotel, read that card in the back of the door. Now close your eyes and walk the hall to the stairwell. Practice. It might save your life. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. They do I have always those. check. You always have those things. And you're like, eh, I don't know. I don't need this. But I have been in a few false alarm situations at the hotel. And I'll tell you what, man, it, when it's late at night, you get to the blood pumping pretty quick. I mean, you're like thinking about all the worst crap in the world, right? Uh-huh. I had a hotel that I stayed at in D.C. once where it went off. The fire alarm went off every morning Ugh. before 7. That's fine. Every freaking morning That's very relaxing, there. right? Oh, yeah. That's really relaxing stuff. All right, 757-687-9494. Commanders uh, continuing to shape up uh, Dan Quinn's roster of coaches. We'll get to that coming up on the other side. Scott Jackson, show Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident. Call 757-INJURED, 757-INJURED. The Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. The Super Tailgate Show Tour, I should say, continues. The show here at Ballyhoo's. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. Don't forget, Ballyhoo's has got you covered for the big game bash here. Coming up on Sunday, 6th annual Super Sunday big game party. Ballyhoo's has all your food. Tailgate menu, $12 buckets of your favorite beers, $5 crushes to celebrate the big game. Uh, get there early and win and pick a square off the uh, big board with a chance to win great prizes. Also, don't want to miss the halftime wing-eating competition uh, for cash and prizes. Always a fan favorite. Festivities start at 4 o'clock Super Sunday. See you here at Ballyhoo's. All right, uh, 757-687-9494. Text line. Uh, George, by the way, just 
came rolling through here and grabbed some tickets. So congrats to him. Th- nice meeting him. It was a few minutes ago. Um, the Washington Commanders have been busy today uh, filling out the staff for one Dan Quinn. Uh, some more dominoes have fallen in that place as they have uh, hired Raiders passing game coordinator Jason Simmons in the same role, according to uh, Jeremy Fowler and others. Simmons uh, helped develop corners Jair Alexander, Dante Jackson, and Jack Jones over the years. Raiders were ninth in scoring defense a year ago, so he's obviously worked with um, Joe Witt Jr. because he said Jair Alexander, who yep. was the Buccaneer with the Packers rather. So he spent some time in Green Bay, clearly as well. And the team's also hiring Brian Johnson to be the pass game. We're going to be careful with that. Brian Johnson uh-huh. uh, to be the pass game coordinator, and that should be done soon. And that is uh, the former Eagles OC and at one point quarterbacks coach guy who has uh, been very instrumental in not only Jalen Hurts, but worked at a young age with, um, with um, you know, Dak Prescott as well. That's right. So, uh, Brian Johnson, been well regarded. You know, you know, interesting thing. I don't know how much was personalities, ego, what, what it could have been this year in Philadelphia, but definitely, you know, they were kind of moving along pretty good at a rate for a while, and then, man, just – just fell apart as the season went on down the stretch. But, you know, Brian Johnson, prior to being with the Eagles, was at the University of Florida as well. Um, he was at the University of Houston, as I said, Mississippi State prior to that. So, I mean, he's been uh, – the guy's been well-traveled uh, in his career and played uh, college football himself at Utah back in the day. Grew up in Texas. He's only 36 years old. I mean, Brian Johnson's a young, young guy. We've been hearing about him so much the last couple of years. You just kind of thought of him as an older guy at this point. But – uh, very, uh, very young in this biz still, so got a bright future. And, you know, I think it was interesting earlier when we were discussing this um, with Jim DiCibella, like you said, you know, th- these are the things you have to do to stack your, stack your staff, right? Like, so exactly. If, if Cliff Kingsbury is as great as people are telling us he is and he knocks it out of the park with whoever their quarterback is this year in Washington and he gets a job, that can't crush your team. Like, they can't be like, oh, my God, we're never going to win again. You know what I mean? Like, you can't feel like the franchise can't move forward because you're going to lose an, an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to be able to, again, be able to replace him. And this is, you know, what every all the folks that now will tell you have to hire offensive coaches because you don't want to lose your offensive coordinator ever as a head coach will tell you. But this is not realistic. Again, this year, you know, there was not many offensive guys hired. I mean, Jim Harbaugh was an offensive guy. Canellis is an offensive guy. Very young, though, right? Right. But so it was like it wasn't like there was a bunch of them. And I, and I think Bobby Slowick, who clearly the Commanders knew um, very well because of Adam Peters, they didn't feel like he was ready for this moment. And Brian Callahan, I think, was the one that no, was out of, out of yep. nowhere, though. Yep. That was the one that was kind of out of nowhere. Nobody really that. had that on their radar. And then all of a sudden, he gets the that's Tennessee job. Yeah, that's another one. So you know Tennessee, and that was like you said, off kind of off the board, if you will. And we'll see how those things work out. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you want a guy who is a leader of the team. Like, because you have to coach all 53 players. You have to be in charge of everything. You have to know how to, you know, how to, you know, run the program you want away. you got to motivate players. you gotta, you got to be able to coach them up, develop, and all these important things. Not just your players, but your staff. So, I, don't, I, I do think that uh, the Johnson move is, is, a, is a good one on their part. And hopefully they get a good quarterback in there that they all feel strongly about that they can work with. And I do think of all the interesting stuff, and I've, I've heard a lot lately. I've seen an interview or heard, read an interview, I should say, 
with um, Caleb Williams, former high school coach. Not surprised to hear him say wonderful things about him. Other, um, you know, people in the NFL speculated a lot about, like, what kind of leader he was or wasn't at USC at the end of the year, and a lot of it was based off the bowl game, right? Like right. how the players reacted, now we can be a team and all this kind of other stuff. What was that all about and how well they played and how they looked like a different different squad at the end of the year? And, like, clearly Cl- Cliff Kingsbury is going to know all this stuff, right? Like, he knows all the dirt. Like, if there is any dirt or there's not, Of right? course, yeah. He's going to have to know all that. He's going to be honest as hell about it, which is great because a lot of times when these NFL coaches go call into these teams – about their player, unless they're really good friends with them, they just say all the good stuff because they want their guys to be drafted. Yeah. They want to hear their school's name. Like, it's an ego trip, like, to hear, oh, yeah, hey, guess what, Urban Meyer had another first round or Nick Sa-, you know what I mean? So, like, you you really got to dig in. You got to go outside of, like, just the people that are going to lie for them. You know, you got to find – you got right. to work around them. I mean, you really do because you don't, you, you don't know – it's not really good for the college coach <laughs> – for them to tell you everything about the player. Now, some of them do, I'm sure, but I think some of them are more thinking about their own legacy and, like, how it looks for them uh, with this whole thing. Well, think about this, too. What does it say about Caleb Williams if they don't go get him? Right. Because that, would, to me, would say that Cliff Kingsbury either said, hey, I'm good with whatever we can use, right. or it says he didn't necessarily want to work with Caleb Williams again. Well, or, you know, the other part of it is it just it costs too much, right? Like, I mean, because, again, if you're, if you're going to hold it hostage at one or, of course, the Bears take the decision out of your hands and they just say, we're taking them at one, and then you don't right. have to worry about it. And like I said before, I mean, I think people are kind of missing the point about Cliff Kingsbury, and we, we've, I think we've laid this out this last week since he was hired or earlier this week when he was hired, which is he's, he, he could work with any of these three top guys because they've all played and spread. Two of them played in his system. One of them played, obviously, at USC under him. And then, you know, Phil Longo was a disciple of, of this whole air raid world and, you know, Hal Mummy, you know, Mike, Mike Leach system. Right. That everybody, you know, in, in Kingsbury's part of the birthing of that and, and brought it around. You know, that's where Drake May's been playing. And that's what, hell, that's what Sam Hal played in as well. So they've, they've, he's got a really good feel for those guys. And, yes, Jaden Daniels may not have played in the exact same type of spread that he runs, but he played in spread. And clearly he's got all the skill sets of a quarterback that you'd want from the spread. You know? And, again, my, my thing with, with uh, Jaden Daniels and I wonder, and they'll, they'll let us get into this thing, is, like, you know, again, is his body type ready for the NFL? Like, that's yeah. going to be my big yeah. fear about him. You know, is his body type ready for the National Football League just because he's so thin? Um, and, man, you know, I know he's put on a lot of weight, they say. I don't know where. <laughs> but they say he's put on a lot of weight over these last couple seasons. Whereas Drake May is like a Hulk. I mean, and again, we know his brother's a big – he's the smallest of his brothers, right? Like Luke's yep. huge, the former basketball player, and his other brother's a big kid too, Cole. So he's actually the runt of the family, I think, which is kind of crazy because he is a big guy himself. And, you know, that picture of him next to poor Sam Howell just didn't do much I know, it's Sam. so not fair. It's so unfair. Sam just looks so, so little next to him. And, I, I mean, I stood next to Sam Howell this year enough to know that yeah, he's not the tallest guy, but I never felt like he looked out of place small. You know right, what I mean? Right. But next to Drake May, oh, my God, he does. You know, he looks really weird. This is like, kind of like when Wentz was on the team last year and he would stand next to Heineke, you know, and, and Wentz is like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, or whatever, and he looked so much bigger. Uh, but the problem was he didn't know where the football was going. Yeah, so. kind of important. Yeah, it was kind of an important issue there. 
kind of kind of a thing that was uh, not helpful until he went to the the extreme makeover Sean McVay uh, <laughs> classes, <laughs> and, and you know things worked out pretty well for him. But anyway, again, I I think. Uh, Give Quinn credit for the staff he is uh, assembling here, and we'll see what the rest of it looks like. I'm also fascinated to see at some point if we get any leanest, if anybody from the Rivera staff will be held over. I still think that special teams coordinator Nate Katzer's got a shot. I would think maybe Kerrigan. Um, I don't know about – I don't think Coach Z is going to make it because I think they've already showed that they have another defensive line coach in mind, but maybe I'm wrong. But those are, those are the ones that I think. But outside of that, I mean – and obviously, Randy Jordan, the running backs coach, uh, I would think, is a, is a real chance to be back, too, because his, his group has always been ready. It's just a matter of giving them an opportunity to be ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As we're learning about yeah. today, reading these, uh, reading these uh, stories on the Eric B. Enemy time there. All right, 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494, if you want to uh, jump on board via the text line or the Ballyhoo's phone line. Um, <laughs> Pittsburgh Ross is a really good point. He says what you really need to ask about Caleb Williams or anything else is um, how many teammates were at the birthday party. Ah, yes, right. Yeah, good the point. The Sonny Weaver question. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me none of his teammates were at the birthday party? <laughs> wait a minute. Bo Callahan had zero teammates at his birthday party. That's right. Did Caleb Williams have any of his USC teammates at his birthday party? <laughs> And if they ever come over to that really cool penthouse apartment he has in L.A. Yeah, I mean, I wonder for I worry for this kid because either, you know, I mean, Chicago's got some nice places. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, they do. They, they do. Some nice places. You know, Ashburn, eh, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's out in the burbs. A uh, different kind of world. But, man, it's hard to beat the place he had in L.A. I mean, it's really hard to beat it that. It really is. Almost worth coming back for one more year for. <laughs> right. <laughs> Almost. I mean, you would have said, hey, he's not crazy. Like, you know. Why not just give it one more go about it? But no, he's he's all in at this point. Maybe he's not. A, maybe he's not a traveling guy. The maybe. new schedule that he's going to have to play in. He would have had to play it if he stayed at USC. That's a good point. That's that is uh, a whole different world. Not a lot. Of, not a lot of close commutes. Yeah, a lot. A lot more air miles on that. No doubt. All right, uh, 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494. Big game bets uh, brought to you by High Noon Hard Seltzer. Visit highnoonspirits.com to find one near you. Uh, a couple other real quick ones to get to on the uh, bets. Uh, we will do that before we get out of here. Super Bowl 58 coming up on Sunday in Las Vegas. Of course, we will have coverage. W- what time is the coverage start, Richie? Is the pregame like at 2 o'clock with Westwood 1? Is that right? Right. Westwood's got a series of three one-hour pregame shows that start at 2. The actual broadcast coverage begins at 5. Wow. I mean, it's a lot. And, of course, the game doesn't kick off to, what, 6.36 or something uh-huh. crazy like that. I mean, they try to push it. I mean, really, they just want to say to us 8 o'clock some year. Some year they're just going to come at us and say it's at 8 o'clock, dang it, and here's what we do. Now, it's 6.30, allegedly. Uh, is the kickoff, but I guarantee you it's going to be a little bit after 6. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly is what they say. But Thanks, Reba McIntyre. No doubt. <laughs> yes, will she be over? Will she be under? No, don't waste your time. All right, 757-687-9494, text line and the Ballyhoo's phone line. We'll get to some of these um, weird props uh, coming up. And if you missed it earlier, we had an actual professional gambler on um, professional handicapper. Uh, Brandon Lang was with us. And he, uh, he actually likes the Marquez Valdez-Scantling over, which is only like 20 with 3, 24 and a half, somewhere yeah, in that neighborhood. He also liked the over for uh, Isaiah Pacheco, 
which was in the 60s, right? It was like 68, 69, somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 65-ish. Yeah, and he likes he the Chiefs, and he likes the Chiefs in this football game, so he's all in on all that stuff. All right, 757-687-9494. Um, <laughs> Paulie on the text line says, the guy who's sacrificing is Kingsbury. Did you see his home in Arizona? Yes, that was pretty sweet, right? Good point. That was Good a hell of a point. Home. Wasn't Kingsbury the one, too, supposedly last year, like um, before the season started? Everybody thought he was going to leave, was going to sit out a year. Um, like they were trying to call him, and he was like, no, he's on a plane. He's going to Thailand for like a month or something Oh, like yeah, that. that's right. I yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, some weird thing like that, but then he ended up turning around and going to USC before it was said and done. Anyway, yeah, Kingsbury, interesting cat. All right, we'll get to some more of these uh, props for the big game coming up on the other side. Uh, also, a uh, end of an era at the Super Bowl 58 this year. We'll talk about that before we get out of here and what we missed. Scott Jackson Show, uh, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry Kinglaw, injured in an accident. Call 757-INJURED, 757-INJURED. James Witham's got your sports center. The Scott Jackson Show will return after this timeout on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. The Super Tailgate. Show continues here. The tour at Ballyhoo's brought to you by Larry King Law. Uh, and we are here till uh, another 20-ish minutes here at Ballyhoo's. But I stay here. Good staff. Nice uh, laid-back place. And in the summer, this place, I have been told, gets a little, gets a little busy. Rockin'. Rockin' might be the word. Um, big Game Bets brought to you by High Noon Hard Seltzer. Visit highnoononspirits.com to find it near you. Um, as you mentioned earlier, um, we had Brandon Lang on today at four uh, in football at four, and one of the things he said about this game, despite really liking the Chiefs and liking the number right now, he's said maybe wait a couple days because yeah. uh, thinks there could be some big money moving in on this thing this weekend, and thinks the uh, odds makers, despite their best efforts, are wrong about uh, the Chiefs being the underdog here, and. Um, was interesting that he pointed out too, and I had forgotten the Eagles were the favorite last year as well. So you know, like you forget, like right after it happens, you know, what, what was the case? But the Eagles were the favorite a year ago. Yeah, well. true. There was that. Um, so again, the money line, the total right now is um, currently 49ers anywhere from um, two to two and a half, depending on where you're looking. Maybe even one and a half in some places. Uh, Over under has been pretty steady at 47.5 at, at this point as well. And some of the interesting um, player props, again, um, have a lot to do with, you know, some of the main players, obviously, that you look at. Um, you get the game flow stuff, too, quarters that you can deal with. You know, will anybody ever lead by more than 14 and a half? That seems really high. Wow. You know, that seems like a high number. Not for Kyle. <laughs> um, at this point as well. Pat Mahomes, four and a half rushing attempts is interesting uh, to me. Huh. I don't know that he would have more than four rushes, but, you know, usually they're impactful when he has them, right? Like, I mean, usually if he's going to run, it's usually going to be a, for a first down or for a big play. Well, here, here's what's sneaky about that. Would a kneel down technically be considered a rushing attempt? Ooh, I do not think so, is it? Because if it is, you Ooh, kneel down yeah. three times at the end of a game, there's three right there. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if that's Deep technically thoughts. because yeah. technically that's minus rushing yards in the stats, correct? So if you're kneeling, is that considered a rushing attempt? So that could be if you were looking at that prop, that might be something sneaky. 
Normally, you wouldn't care. I gotta, go, I gotta go to the stats people on this one. I'm not sure. I've, and I've never really thought about it in that. Neither manner. have I until you just said that. Interesting. Um, all right, first TD is is always uh, so. Brand, uh, Isaiah Pacheco first TD plus six hundred is interesting because um, the if you think the Chiefs can get off to quick start, I mean, he has uh, cashed in this prop five times in the season. True. So. As long as Andy Reid doesn't get cued again <laughs> and try to give it to uh, to one of his receivers, <laughs> as he did in the Buffalo game, uh, you should be good there. How about the no touchdown for Brandon Ayuk uh, at minus 190? Huh. Well, Brandon Ayuk has been kind of like the guy you would expect to see when they get down in the red zone. But LeJarius Sneed has been really good against top receivers in the this season. And... What do you do with him? Is he following Samuel, or is he going to get Ayuk? Uh, you know, will be fascinating to see how they kind of divvy that up. Chiefs have only allowed 14 touchdowns to wide receivers this year, too. And Ayuk's uh, touchdowns this season come against Detroit, Seattle, uh, the Commanders, the Eagles, the Bucks, Jags, and Steelers, secondaries that all stink. Interesting. Yeah. Nine red zone targets this season, good for 69th in the NFL. So it's not a lot. Yeesh. It's not a lot, which is surprising. Because you'd think, you know, bigger body guy that he might be the guy they would look for there. Uh, Christian McCaffrey rushing over under longest rush, 17 and a half, is also an enticing one. Because you think he's good for those spurts of like 10, 15 at times, and then maybe a 20, 25, 30. And usually when the Chiefs give up any yardage, it's, it's just like one or two big runs. Yeah. Because they haven't, I mean, they've done okay against the rush this year. They're in the like kind of like middle of the pack, if I remember right. But then nobody wants to run on them either. But so they get they tend to get gashed at times. Yeah, that's um, just on big longer runs. That's the way to beat them. It appears in runs. But I'll tell you one thing: the Chiefs are very good at, and I, they don't have you know that doesn't go maybe noticed as much as they're a really good open field tackling team. Yeah. Um, somebody put out a really nice cut up of their, their secondary is really good at limiting the slants and those things, the things the 49ers like to do, right? Yep. Uh, to get guys in space, they're really good at limiting it. Uh, not, they don't give up a lot of yak. Obviously, the 49ers rely on a lot of yak. And we'll see um, how, that, how that goes. Um, and, of course, you know, the, the, the over-under number is uh, interesting because, you know, these, these Super Bowls tended to go lower these days. But 47.5 is, is, is a pretty good chunk. I mean, like, so yeah. you're looking at a, you know, even a, what, a 24-21 game's under. Yeah. You know, which would be a pretty – Active kind of football game, and we're supposed to have two really good defenses, right? That's that's the rumor, anyway. Well, we know one of them has actually performed well, right? Uh-huh. But the other one, not not so much uh, these days, as well. Uh, from the seven five seven via the uh, text line, so I'm gonna gonna put my money on the Chiefs this weekend. I'm thinking fifty to hundred bucks. That's all I can part with. Uh, you, you you can you can never count them out. Um, you can also never count out uh, Kelsey. And Patrick Mahomes, just like you can never count out Brady and Gronk and Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Yeah. I mean, Gronk – or Gronk, excuse me. Kelsey in the postseason has really been a different player, and that's why I think they've been different too. And Patrick Mahomes, anytime he needs to get a play, seems to find the big fella too, which is not a bad way to go. Part of me kind of feels like Kelsey's the first touchdown. That's, that's yeah. kind of where I'd lean. I, I mean, I'd, Pacheco would be probably a close second. But I think I would lean towards Travis Kelsey. I don't know what the I don't know I don't know if you get as good of odds on him, but 
not crazy. He had the first touchdown right against the Ravens. Memory serves, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Hell of a pass, too, by Mahomes. I mean, that was ridiculous. Um, first TD will be a kickoff or a punt return. That's my Super Bowl prediction. That's from Pittsburgh Ross. Look at that. Wow. That is bold. That is That's very, really very bold. bold. Now, the 49ers, Ray Ray McDonald, um, he's, got some, he's got some burstability about him. I'm trying to think. You know, in years past, the Chiefs have been pretty good in the return game. I, I don't feel like this season this year, I don't think they has are. been that year. I, and I could be completely out of my mind, but I, will, I, don't, I don't believe this year they've had maybe explosive return plays like they've had in years past. Yeah, and I mean, in the playoffs, I know they haven't. Um, so that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, in, in the 49ers, you know, historically with Shanahan, they have not had wonderful special teams they have not I think they've been one of the lower rated like that's been one of their Achilles heels yeah and like the, the returns this year I'm looking at it real quick yeah the neither the Chiefs have not had a return for a touchdown this year um, and you know in years past of course they had some great returners and historically I remember Deontay Hall was a freaking stud back in the day yeah he was way back way back pre Andy Reid and I believe it's at some points they've They've had um, they've had some good returners here in the last few years, but this year it doesn't feel like they've done much of anything in the return game. And as far as the Niners are concerned, I remember Ray McDonald last year had one against the Commanders. I do remember that. Ray Ray McLeod, I mean, not McDonald, McLeod. He had one against the Commanders last year. Um, this year they've they've had nothing in terms of big big returns. So I mean, going on Ross's theory, it's the overdue theory that both of these teams are overdue for something big. But here's the other one that you know, if it comes down to kicking. Where you got to be a little scared if you're the Niners. Oh yes, because of uh, Jake Moody. Although again, he's only missed four field goals, but he does it. You know, it feels like they're a little reluctant to go to him in the uh, forty plus range, forty five plus range. And he's had his misses in the forty to forty nine range, and in fifty he missed one for fifty. But you know, he's at least made his extra points. He's not like as bad as the Lions kicker who nobody trusted last week, especially Dan Campbell, or two weeks ago now. All right, 757-687-9494. An era is about to end at the Super Bowl. Uh, we will get to that coming up next. Uh, we'll give you the final numbers on the poll question uh, for the time being. Uh, get that updated for you, too, on the X. Scott Jackson Show as we come to you live from Bally, who's part of the Tailgate Tour. And we are brought to you by Larry King Law. You are listening to the Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. It's been a long day and sometimes things fall through the cracks. It's time to figure out what we missed on the Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. All right, it's time for what we missed here. Tailgate Tour wrapping up from Ballyhoo's, uh, 2865 Lynn Haven Drive in Virginia Beach, brought to you by Larry King Law. George Toma, who has worked as the groundskeeper for all 57 Super Bowls this week, uh, admitted that his streak will come to an end. He will not be in Vegas for the Super Bowl. That means Toma's last Super Bowl will be last year's, well, kind of debacle in Arizona. Although Toma insists that was not his fault a year ago, in the slippery sod of Arizona. He said, I laid everything out for them. So what happened, Super Bowl 57? It's the worst game field I've ever seen before an NFL groundskeeper stepped on. Um, Thomas said after the rehearsal for the Super Bowl halftime show before the Super Bowl, he was shocked when he saw uh, when they pulled up the proactive mat that was underneath the halftime stage. He goes, when we pulled it up, 
It was mud, retracted mud, and it was wet, wet, wet. Toma says he wishes NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell would talk to him about the field conditions. He goes, I still love Roger Goodell, but he hasn't given me 30 seconds. That's all I want to this day, Toma said. So the end for the man they call the sod father. Fascinating thing about George Toma, he was the groundskeeper of the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead for a long time, back when they had AstroTurf. <laughs> well, and yet he was like who a, would know more about sod <laughs> than a guy for AstroTurf? Well, I know. That's what I thought was interesting. But I, I guess, you know, he could play or, or talk about all surfaces. Like, I mean, I always used to joke, like, so as the sod father at Arrowhead back in those days, like, you just had to get a shop vac out there to clean up stuff, right? Like, <laughs> and you were using, like, a vacuum or whatever. There you go. I and mean, that's all you had to do. But anyway, so George Toma, not happy that the, the Raj won't give him the time of day. And they've apparently unceremoniously fired him. I don't know. So he will not be at Super Bowl 58. So if there's any crappy field conditions, we cannot blame old George Toma this time. He's not there to kick around. All right, our poll question today for you to kick around dealt with the Super Bowl and what you're looking most forward to. And it looks like we got kind of a purist group, you know, a bunch of sports fans. Shocker. Listen to Sports Talk Radio. 77.6% are most looking forward to the game, followed by 10.6% the food, 82 the commercials, and 35 the other who are just being, you know, wise guys. Food made a comeback, though. But food made a little comeback. At uh, Jackson Sports at ESPN Radio 941, brought to you by Dominion Floor Covering. If you want to weigh in, you know, the poll will be open for 20, I don't know, what, 23 more hours or something like that, or no, maybe like 21. I don't remember what time I put it up. So anyway, so have at it. All right, so tomorrow we are on the road. Once again, final show uh, on the tailgate tour, uh, so be sure to join us tomorrow. Where are we tomorrow? Inland Reef. Inland Reef, thank Lynn you. Parkway. In, in Virginia Beach, yes. Lynn Haven Parkway. You know, it's all running together. I keep, tomorrow's Friday, right? Of course. Okay, good to know. I'm happy to hear that. Um we got a big show, our usual Friday guest, Tim Murray uh, from Beeson, will break down the game with us at 4 o'clock. Mark Davis from uh, Channel 3 WTKR is out there in Vegas, been there all week, been doing yeoman's work. So we'll have uh, Mark with us at 5. And uh, Logan Paulson, former uh, Washington Redskin, Atlanta Falcon, 49er. He knows Kyle Shanahan offense back in front. We'll get his take on the big game. And his thoughts on Dan Quinn, who we played for uh, in Atlanta as well. So he's got some strong thoughts on the man. Everybody's calling DQ. I don't know if I want to go there. It feels like I'm talking about Dairy Queen. Yeah, I feel like I need to turn him upside down to see if anything falls out. I know. Everybody keeps going, DQ, DQ. I'm like, this is kind of goofy, guys. I don't I don't know. He's a grown man. I think we should call him by his first name. <laughs> or just code Coach Quinn. Hey, man. Anyway. All right. So that's all coming up on tomorrow's program and obviously your Super Bowl steel lock predictions tomorrow. So looking forward to that. All right. Thanks to our guest from today, Joe Gregory, the Tides. It was really cool. He brought the trophy by. Appreciate that. That was fun. Uh, Brandon Lang, betting uh, on the games, of course, for two for the money, T- the movie star, and uh, buddy Jim Ducebella, former Virginia pilot, uh, Redskins reporter and NFL reporter, good enough to give us his thoughts on the big game and obviously all things going on with the commanders. All right, we are represented by Larry King Law, injured in an accident, call 757-INJURED, at 757-INJURED, the good folks at Larry King Law. Don't forget Ballyhoo's the place to be on Super Sunday. The big game bash, their sixth annual. You won't want to miss it. Uh, doors open at 4 o'clock. For James Witham, Scott Jackson, thanks to Richie Somerville. Thank to Derek and Joe, our promotions crew. Uh, Scott Jackson saying so long to tomorrow at 3 o'clock here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1.